0: Land tax, stamp duty, tenants. Sure, property is great, but there are easier ways to get your passive income, sometimes with franking credits. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in many different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including income-focused funds, which aim to provide yield-hungry investors with attractive income streams. Discover the Betashares range of ETFs and how simple they can be to invest in by going to betashares.com.au. Read the relevant PDFs and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you.
1: This is a podcast by the Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment, or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show.
2: Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. My name is Amy Lenardi. I am a property buyers agent based in Melbourne. And today we have a bit of a, a different episode. We've got a special guest, an extra special guest, Kate, from the Australian Finance Podcast. Actually, she wears many, many hats. <laughs> and she has recently written a book. And that book is called Buying Happiness – Learn to invest your time and money better. And I've just finished reading this book and I thought it would be great to have her on the podcast because when we're talking about money and when we're talking about happiness and time, we can absolutely relate all of this back to property in many ways. So I think that this episode is going to be really helpful for anyone who is in that process of considering maybe buying a house in the future or maybe they're saving at the moment or maybe you've bought a property and now you're needing to manage your time and money and happiness but because you're paying off a mortgage so Kate thank you so much for coming on the podcast today
1: thanks for having me Amy it's a bit fun to jump onto uh, one of our other podcasts today
2: yes so first of all this book what inspired you to write this book
1: I've been talking about money and investing and personal finance with everyone for the last seven years. And the thing is, we often forget what's important because we get stuck in the budgets and the spreadsheets and creating the perfect portfolio. But sometimes we forget about why we're doing it. And maybe we're building wealth to spend more time with our friends and family. We're building wealth to have freedom and control over our time and our life. But we can get pretty forgetful of that during the the messy middle where we're putting everything into practice. So I think this book just pulls together all the conversations I've had on the podcast over the last seven years. It brings together research on how to use your time and money better to give yourself a happiness boost because at the end of the day, we all want to be happy. We want meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives. And so how does money and time play into that was a really interesting angle that I explored. And there's also a bit in there about your money mindset when it comes to goal setting, how you have money conversations with other people, the ways our brain plays tricks on us with things like analysis paralysis, which uh, I'm sure happens in the world of property too. I know it happens a Mm -hmm. lot with people (laughs) making their first investments and just gives people some of the starting points for their own investing journey. But it's not actually uh, a book about property. So um, it's gonna be interesting to have this conversation today, Amy. Yeah,
2: and and what you just said before about figuring out your why i think that's something that sometimes people kind of have an idea about but have never really sat down and figured out what their why is what their purpose is why why are you wanting to earn money why are you wanting to be more successful like what is what is the ultimate goal and what are the things that will make you happy and i often see this as well with property goals in that a lot of people don't sit down and think, well, why Why do I actually want to buy a property? It is very much the thing to do, right? It's, the, it's something which everyone thinks that's the expectation of, you know, first of all, you start out your career or you do your degree or what, you get your education, whatever that might be, and then you buy a house. And it's just the next, next logical step in life, but it's not going to be the right thing for everyone. I do think at some point in your life, you do need to have housing security through owning a property, but it's certainly not something that you need to rush into or do before you're ready because it is such a huge commitment. And I've spoken to many, many people over the years who once I've actually sort of questioned their why, especially people who are in situations where they can't necessarily afford what they want right now, and in which case buying a property is actually going to maybe compromise their lifestyle but they feel like they just have to do it whether that's a home or an investment property and then they take some time to sit back and maybe just reassess a little bit um so yeah absolutely figuring out what your why is and with your why as well kate there was a like one of the sort of first paragraphs in the book talks about happiness and how happiness is essentially freedom would you then say that money is therefore freedom because technically the more money you have the less you have to worry about things and the more time you could have because the less time you need to work is that kind of the the overall summary of the book here
1: i'd say that money gives you the opportunity for freedom and happiness and choice it doesn't necessarily mean that if we've got a million dollars in the bank account, we're just going to be instantly happy because there's usually a lot of stuff we have to do behind the scenes. Because if we can't start enjoying the process, we're not going to necessarily enjoy the end goal because it's only going to be a moment that we're excited to see a million dollars in the bank account. If we don't enjoy the work that we do in the lead up, then it's going to be very challenging to be to be happy long term. And so I think that's really interesting with the property stuff you were saying, Amy, because I see a lot like the Instagram posts when people buy their first property and it's really exciting and everyone gets behind you and people really support you when it comes to your property goals. But when it comes to investing in other things, maybe it's shares or exchange traded funds, no one really gets that excited. And so you don't <laughs> feel like you've got all this support behind you. And I've said it a few times at events, like when you get your first dividend, if you don't have anyone to tell, to like, send me a message and I'll be excited for you because that's that's an exciting step. And it's a milestone on a, a slightly different investment journey. It might not be your first, um, your first night living in the new place or your first uh, rental payment from a tenant, but the in making your first investment in a in a company or an ETF and getting your first dividend is also a really exciting milestone, and people celebrate it very differently. Like yeah. <laughs> people don't really want to know if you're investing unless they're friends that are interested in investing themselves. It's it's seen really differently, and I think that changes the way we work towards these goals as well. Like property, you can tell everyone that you're saving up for a property and this is where you want to buy, and everybody gives you their advice. But when it comes to investing, it's something we do a little bit more quietly in the background. So, I think that plays into the way we set the goals as well, just like what everyone thinks around us.
2: I think the benefit these days with social media and the internet and podcasts is that you can actually find these people now. Maybe they're not going to be in your direct group of friends Mm. who you're going to be talking about, investing and you know buying your first share etc but you can actually reach out and and find these people and it is really helpful to get involved and and um, be in these communities because you can learn from each other and you can share your goals and celebrate each other's wins so don't feel like just because you weren't raised in a family who didn't talk about money I certainly wasn't Mm -hmm. um, that or your friends aren't involved in that. That you can't get involved because it is out there. And Kate, where would you um, suggest? Sort of, uh, where would you suggest getting started with finding these kind of groups and this kind of support? Because it is super helpful to keep you on track.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you listen to guests of the finance podcast, the property podcast, you can then, if someone really interests you and you like their perspective and what they have to say, you can usually go and find other places where they're hanging out, whether that's Instagram or LinkedIn or TikTok, maybe, (laughs) who knows, (laughs) but you can kind of like slowly just follow your interest and find interesting people online. I mean, there's a lot of Facebook groups, like there's other groups i'm in mean, like financial independence facebook groups like the Aussie Firebug facebook group and they're not places i particularly comment a lot but i just sort of lurk and it's interesting to see what people have to say it's not necessarily 100% accurate all the time so i'd always go into these communities whether it's facebook reddit instagram tiktok with a your um, con- savvy consumer hat mm. on mm-hmm. because not never not necessarily everything is a financially vetted But it's interesting to see what's possible. And I think that is a really important one. If you haven't grown up with a family and friendship group talking about money, you don't necessarily know what's possible. You might think you can only invest in one way or that only this is possible career path wise. And then when you see people talking about it online, you go, oh, I could do this or I could do a business that does this. And so you start to soak up all of these different possibilities, which I think helps you Create goals that are more suitable to you, not necessarily like the default go to uni, buy a house, have a family path, which I hope that our generation is slowly changing and challenging that and actually going, well, how do I want to spend my time? I don't necessarily want to go bam, bam, bam. I want to go to London for a few years and then I want to travel and then I want to do this and then I want to start a business. Like it doesn't have to be in that order anymore.
2: Definitely, definitely the younger generations are. Stepping out of that um, typical kind of like life progress, um, which our parents went through. And that it's, it's really hard sometimes because your parents often want to instill their own personal values on you. And they might be putting a lot of pressure on you to purchase a property when you're 26 years old because that's what they did. Or they see you doing things that are different to what they did when they grew up, and they just don't necessarily agree with it. But in the book as well, you talk a lot about how um, you you talked about experience versus things, and I think very much when you're in your say your twenties these days, there is a bit more of a focus on you know enjoying your time and, and, and maybe allocating your money towards experiences rather than just things but how would you then provide advice to people who are trying to figure out their priorities because at the end of the day experiences are important and you can't um necessarily do the same things as you did in your 20s as when you're in your 70s right especially when it comes to travel mm-hmm. but then how do you balance that with then saying okay well if i'm wanting to achieve certain financial goals in life especially buying a property i can't actually just go and spend all of my money on experiences how do you then just sort of sit back and balance that out and say okay well how would i allocate how do I allocate a certain amount of money towards each of these things, especially when it comes to saving for a property, because that is such a big financial goal, which which quite often people have to expi- uh, sacrifice a lot of experiences in their life where, when they're young.
1: I think I might challenge like the word balance for everyone to start with, because that trade-off between enjoying the present moment and having a great time today and going on that trip, and then also securing our future, whether that's investing or saving up for a property, I don't think we can ever perfectly balance it. I think it's always a matter of trade-offs and prioritization of what's important. And that will probably look very different year on year. So, what was important time-wise, money-wise to you five years ago, is probably very different to what's important to you today. And even 10 years in the future is going to be different again. So I think the important thing is just going, well, okay, I need to enjoy life right now. What am I going to do for that? But also being kind to your future self, because chances are you don't know that person you're going to be in 10 years, but you probably know a few things. You probably know they're going to want time to spend with friends and family. You probably know that they're going to want of uh, some element of financial security emergency fund. Maybe they do want a property, then maybe they want some investments that can provide them some passive income. And you probably know they want some time and they want to have choices. So even though you don't know that person you're going to be in 10 years, you know they want a few base level things. And then you're thinking about, well, what are some changes I can do today that is super kind to that person I'm going to be in 10 years. And so I think that's the the challenge with property because I know a lot of people do have to sacrifice a lot in that saving process for the deposit. And so working out well what are my priorities right now and maybe you realize well there's just not enough money to do everything. There's not enough time to do everything because time and money we only have so much in our calendar, in our bank account every month and so you might go well I'm going to reduce a few of those more expensive things from my budget at the moment because I'm prioritizing putting money aside for the house, but I'm going to still make sure there's enough money and time to have quality conversations and experiences with friends and family because you don't want to get to the the process of buying the house and of being completely miserable during, mm. because that's that's life. You're, you're using up time during that process. So, if you have a completely miserable three years saving up to buying a house, well, That's three years of your life that are gone that were miserable. So finding you might have to sacrifice a few things. You might have to reprioritize a few things. But finding even low-cost ways to have the same experience, even though you can't spend as much money. I know a lot of people want to go out for a meal with friends and family because, one – they want to see their friends and family, but it's also things like they don't want to worry about washing up. It's easy to organize. No one has to worry about what's for dinner. So how can you take some of those elements of why you're going out with friends and family, but do them in a more cost-effective way? And so if you realize you just want quality time with your friends and family, but you don't want to worry about dishes and stuff, or maybe it's doing a barbecue at the park where everyone brings something. And so that's really cost-effective It's easy, but you still get to have those quality experiences with your friends and family because one of the interesting studies that I came across during the research for the book was called the Harvard Adult Development Study. And it's been going for over 80 years now, and they've tracked the descendants and the grandchildren of the original participants. And they found that the biggest determiner of people's happiness and well-being long-term was actually the quality of their relationships, And that's a really interesting one because sometimes I think we forget to put it up on our priority list. Like we've got all these goals. I don't know about you, Amy, but I'm very much like a goal person (laughs) and relationships wasn't up the top. And now that I know this, and now I know how important those foundations are, the things that you can't just spend a million dollars on and get a wonderful friend and family group. You can't just buy those quality relationships you can buy transient friendships but you can't buy quality <laughs> relationships and so those things even like your health you you can buy better you could buy a pt you could buy going to the physio and things like that but it doesn't help with that foundation you still got to work on your health yourself and so identifying those important things like relationships and health and figuring out what you want to do at life like prioritize some of those things because they're the things that even 30 years down the track when you're super wealthy, like I hope every listener is going to be, you can't just go to the store and buy those things. So I think just it it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. There's a lot to it. But just looking through your calendar and your budget over the past month and going, well, what's one small change I can make over the coming 30 days to add a little bit more happiness to my life?
2: In your book, you said that there are certain things that you can buy to increase and improve your happiness. And I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. I know everyone says, you know, happiness needs to come from within. It needs to come exclusively from your relationships with your friends and family and all of that. But it's it's not completely true. There are definitely things (laughs) that you can spend money on which improve your happiness. But like you said, what money doesn't buy in your book, you mentioned health. You mentioned quality relationships, purpose, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly important. And again, you can't buy that feeling content and also lost time. And that's something which I think is really, really, really important. And I actually find this hard to balance. So after reading this book, it made me reflect a lot on my life (laughs) and my current situation because I work a lot. So I work Six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. My husband's also a real estate agent as well. And I've gotten to this point where I've worked exceptionally hard, but it hasn't, and i've I've my income is reflective of that at the mm-hmm. moment. But that hasn't actually um, necessarily increased my happiness because with that extra work and with that extra money, I now have much more responsibility. I have much more stress and I've also done what a lot of people do and I'm I'm living to my means. So with my increased income, I have increased expenses and I have increased debts as well. And it makes it then really hard to t- to say at what point in time do I stop working so much so that then I can focus more on family and friends and relationships and I feel like that sometimes comes down to a little bit of Personality and yeah. being able to just give yourself a break. I don't think I'm quite quite there yet.
1: <laughs> it's, it's that saying, right. like, what what gets you there won't get you there. And, yeah. and so you've done all this work to get you to this point where you want to be today. But then you might be going, well, over the next 10 years, I really want to spend more time with my family and I want more balance in my life. Yeah. I want more time to do all of those hobbies that I've put off for 10 years while I built my own business. And so you're thinking, well, how do I want to change things do I Mm. want to be in exactly the same place in 10 years time or do I want to have a slightly pared back work week so I have more time to do the crazy things I want to do and so I think just thinking a little bit more intentionally like that's the that's the only thing we can hope for like we're not going to change everything most of us still are going to have to work in some capacity but just making small changes and one of the interesting exercises that Owen actually taught me about was like designing your ideal Tuesday and your ideal Saturday. And why those two days is because Tuesday, typically a work day, Saturday, a day of just fun, do whatever you want. And so writing down just briefly, what does your Tuesday typically look like at the moment from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed? So is it like, write down things like you wake up, you check your phone, you stumble into the kitchen, have a coffee, then just get out your laptop and work for a day, or maybe you go into the office. Like, put all those things down and then also do the same thing for Saturday. And then maybe leave it a couple of days so they don't get intermixed, but then write down, well, what would you want your ideal Tuesday and your ideal Saturday to look like? Still being realistic, knowing that you probably have to have some form of job if you are in that income career building phase at the moment. But, and then, Comparing those lists. So, what does my Tuesday currently look like, and what do I want it to look like? And you might find there's not actually too many changes you need to make between your Tuesday right now and the Tuesday you want. There might just be in the morning you want to wake up feeling refreshed and you want to go for a walk first thing. So, it might be okay, we don't go on social media first thing. We put our phone in the study um, at night. And so, we get up, we have our alarm, we go for a walk. And so, there might be some small changes you can make. Um, even just to the way you're working and living your days right now, that are actually going to add a lot more meaning and satisfaction to your life because chances are you do have a little bit of wiggle room in your calendar. Most of us do find time for, for Netflix and social media at some point. And you might go, well, if I just added an hour more in my week where I was catching up with friends and family, well, that might give me a really meaningful happiness boost, but it doesn't cost that much. It doesn't cost much to our budget or our calendar.
2: I think it's also important to, especially when you're saving up for a property, balance up short-term happiness and short-term compromise and Mm -hmm. short-term, like when, I remember when I was younger and I worked jobs, which I really, really did not enjoy. And I was, you mentioned this in the book as well, I was willing my days away. I was yeah. just trying to get through every single day because I knew what I was doing at the time was getting to me getting me towards my longer-term goals. And I was like, I'm really unhappy right now, but I know this is all for a purpose and for the longer term. And I guess for anyone in that situation at the moment, how do you sort of say to people there's a light at the end of the tunnel? Or how do you make sure there is actually a light at the end of the tunnel if they're working a job which maybe pays more money, but they're not happy in? or they're really stressed, or they just don't have time to do anything else. But um, I suppose as long as it's for a purpose and for a reason, is that something which can give you a bit of hope?
1: I think I've become more passionate about, like, if, if it's causing you, like, physical or mental stress and lasting long-term damage, I'd probably think a bit more seriously about whether it's worth it because Mm. I've had friends and family that have done the thing because they wanted the goal at the end and then they got to the end and they were so burnt out they were really not in a place they could enjoy the end result anyway and so for them it might have been better to spread the five-year goal over 10 years and maybe step back a little bit to four days at work or take a role that was slightly more in their interests or less stressful because it meant that they could enjoy the journey. Because I think that's so important that we enjoy the journey along the way, even though we might really want to buy the house in three years, we don't want to be miserable the entire time. And sure, there's lots of small changes we can do, so like spending more time with friends and family and we can change things in our budget, maybe we can side hustle, but if we're doing everything to get to that goal in three years, but completely losing that three years in the process. I'm not sure that's the most sustainable way to do it. So I would really think about, well, how am I prioritising my health? And that's, that's super important. Like some of those foundations, once they crack a little bit, they can take a long time to get back and sometimes they can remain cracked. And so figuring out, well, what is my priority and how can I put that there as well? Because... This, I guess it's time that you
2: don't get back at the yeah. end of the day, even if it, ju- it is just for the short
1: term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and life's full of trade-offs and compromises, but you need to decide, well, what's most important to you, but also what's kind to your future self. And so you might take on a really stressful role for three years just because it's the extra income, but what damage is that going to do to you long term is something I would probably want to consider as well
2: and how do we avoid or minimize the i'll be happy when this thing happens trap you mentioned this in the book and i'm a bit of a victim <laughs> personal victim of this i say okay well i'll be happy or i'll feel more relaxed once i go on that holiday or i'll be happy once i've got a certain amount of money in my bank account or i'll be happy when i finally buy a house because then i'll be i'll feel more settled and i'll i'll feel more secure but it's not necessarily a guarantee, and it also you can fall into the trap of then saying, "Okay, well that's achieved. What's next? I'm yeah. g- only now going to be happy until the, when the next thing happens."
1: Yeah, I think the "I'll be happy when" trap can easily just fall into continuously shifting goalposts. Like we're never at the point that we're happy. Every we're never going to have enough, and so that's it's partly a money aspect. So there might be a number at which we feel financially secure, but there's also the sort of the emotional aspect, because I know plenty of people that have worked their whole lives, built wealth, and then they just can't retire and they can't stop and they can't enjoy it because they haven't built a life outside of that. Mm. And so I think thinking about your life a little bit more holistically, because you want to make sure there's things that you're enjoying on the journey, instead of just postponing your happiness to a future date, because then you're just living in the future the whole time. And that's, really not the best way to live. I think you need to focus on, well, yes, reaching a goal can be really meaningful, but how can I make sure I enjoy the process? And maybe that means, well, putting more steps along the process. And so you can recognize each achievement along the way, instead of just postponing your happiness until the point three years in the future. So one of your, like on your first home buying journey, well, maybe one of the milestones is, taking a a property course. Like we've got a free one on Brask Education. That's like a step on your learning journey. Maybe one of your milestones is talking to a mortgage broker or a buyer's agent. And so you can actually enjoy the process a little bit more instead of just going, well, life will be better when I have a house. But chances are when you buy the house, there's going to be problems with the house. Different kind
2: of different you're going to have different kind of problems then because you have to manage your mortgage. You're then locked into something for quite a long time your cash flow position could change there might be maintenance there might be body corporate issues with that so it becomes different different issues (laughs) once you've actually bought a house
1: yeah like there's like the grass is always greener there's always always yes yeah so I think it's just coming back to well how can I enjoy the process along the way how can I get more people involved because that's That gives us a bit of a happiness boost if we engage other people in the process. So it's sort of a shared goal and shared accountability uh, instead of something you're just doing by yourself silently for three years. Um, And yeah, just celebrating the smaller moments along the way. So you might just celebrate and have a coffee and recognize how far you've come when you hit your first $10,000 when you're saving up for your deposit instead of just being miserable that you're not there. And also, it's probably the aspect that hurts us the most is comparison in this regard, because we're seeing so many people around us that aren't even in our friends and family. Like back in 100 years, you probably would only compare yourself to where your friends and family are at, like the people that you could visibly see around you. But now we're getting exposed to millions of people and all these celebrities and online entrepreneurs that. Have completely different lives, have completely different stories. They might have debt, they might have had help from family, they might have started 10 years before you, or they might have just had a fake story that they're showing online. (laughs) But it's just important to know that, like, that's not reality. You don't need to compare yourself to a million different people. And the easiest way to focus more on ourselves is just really being clear on, well, what do I want and how am I spending my time and money and what are my priorities? And so if you know what's really important to you and you can mute some of that noise, and that might just be simply unfollowing or muting people or unsubscribing, like that is a tool. Social media is a tool. You get to use it too. And so thinking about how you can control that Noise a little bit more so you can focus on your own journey. Because at the end of the day, you can read a million stories of people that have had inspirational property purchases and built their portfolios, but that doesn't help you personally take that step on your own journey.
2: Comparison is the thief of joy. That's one of my favorite quotes. And it's so relevant when you're looking at other people in your friendship circles or beyond that who are buying houses and thinking, well, how did they? do that and ha- how come I haven't been able to do that mm-hmm. so far um, and then not only there's always going to be people who are better off than you and there's always going to be people that are worse off than you as well and it also means that you shouldn't be embarrassed about your own situation or, or worried about being able to share your own wins especially if you feel like you have been in a position of privilege for example being able to live with your parents whilst you're saving, like focus on that just being as a pure benefit to you. Don't be ashamed of that just because other people haven't been able to do that because you're also then still working towards your own personal goals and you've got your own sacrifices as well. But I think that kind of brings us back to the overarching theme of your entire book, Kate, which is all about working on yourself. Having this internal reflection about figuring out what your why is, figuring out what your money mindset is, figuring out what's holding you back. Um, There's a lot of people who get into the habit of, um, you know, spending money a certain way or having this certain attitude towards money or saying it's too overwhelming, it's too hard, I don't have the right support networks and these are all internal limitations which hold you back. So, really focusing on yourself and figuring out what you need to do to achieve your goals and what is potentially going to make you happy and is that money is that time is that buying things is it doing things Is it spending time with friends and family and then just focusing on yourself I think that's the key message of this book yeah and then we can bring this back to to buying a house as well and saying why why do you want to buy that property why are you how much are you going to compromise your lifestyle in the short term is it going to be this thing that makes you all of a sudden happy. What's going to happen once you purchase that property and you you have a mortgage and just sitting back and reflecting on these questions yeah. rather than rushing into it, feeling like it's something that you just have to do and you have to get over and done with, or it's just going to be this thing that totally changes your life. Because that is not a guarantee is it
1: no and i it made me reflect on some of the things you were saying at our sydney event the other week because you were talking about the importance of having a property brief and really understanding what you want and if it's realistic and thinking about those things that make you happy could also go in that brief like if for you seeing friends and family is really important like i love living a few suburbs away from my parents i love that i have friends in the streets near me if i wanted A big house and that meant I had to move an hour away from everyone and I wasn't near public transport and I couldn't easily see everyone I wanted to see because I like seeing them on a regular basis. I like being able to just pop in for a coffee, then that probably wouldn't make me happy. Sure, it might it might be a good financial decision, it might mean I get a huge house, but it also probably means that long term I wouldn't be as happy as I am now. And so thinking about, well, how do I like spending my time and would that play into what property i buy.
2: Yeah, that is oh my gosh, i get this so often where people say to me i want to live in this certain property or live in this type of location but it maybe it's not necessarily the best long-term financial outcome for me because maybe that type of property isn't going to grow as much. Mm-hmm. And yes it's relevant and yes it's something that you should absolutely consider because it could impact your you know your your, your choices or your opportunities in the longer term. But at what cost in the short run, if you could buy a bigger house an hour away from the CVD and in 10 years have some more money because it's grown more in value, but over those 10 years you have just been less happy because you're not near your friends and family it's taking you three hours to get to and from work each day, is that worth it for you? There is no right or wrong answer here, but the goal shouldn't always be like, you know, in property, capital growth over lifestyle. It, it, it's not that black and white.
1: Yeah and it comes that comes up a lot with investing because some people think they want to go down the individual share investing path and just manage the portfolio themselves but then they realize there's a lot more to stay on top of there's a lot of news to deal with there's a lot more decisions to make and that might be end up being a much more stressful investment path for them and they maybe they would have been better focusing on a different like less resource less decision heavy investment path so there's different options for everyone and I think just knowing yourself a little bit more and spending some time like working out well what lights you up what fires you up maybe you are super curious and you love diving into the numbers of a company or you love doing all the research for a property or you're quite happy to commute one hour every day or you really love working from home and you have the ability to make a new family connection community group in a new spot well maybe living further out might be better so it's just like working out well what's important to you not the best decision for you and the best financial decision aren't always the same thing
2: correct and not just listening to other people telling you what they think is best as well, <laughs> which is another common pitfall in property. Your yeah. parents telling you, you should, you know, buy a house in the suburbs or you see other people do it or, you know, you you hear about, you know, land is always more important and it's just not always the case. So, Kate, thank you so, so much for coming on to the Australian Property Podcast today. Uh, where can people... Get your book. Is it on Kindle? Is it only in the shops?
1: Oh, Amazon Booktopia, Dimmicks and smaller bookshops usually have a couple of copies. Or you can order it in from your library if you want to save a few bucks there. (laughs) I've recently
2: rediscovered the library because I've been going there to get kids' books, and I don't know why I forgot about it for so long. I was spending like twelve (laughs) dollars every week on a new book on Amazon, and now I'm. Saving that money now.
1: (laughs) Libraries are phenomenal resources. Like you can go and study there. They've often got activities or book talks going on. They'll have community groups, book clubs. Like just go and use them. They're fantastic resources.
2: Yeah. I've done a few free first home buyer talks at libraries recently. It's been great. Really good turnouts as well.
1: Yeah. And they're usually in great locations as well. Like they're great community meeting points.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, Kate. It's a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me, Amy. See you later.
2: Thanks
0: for tuning in to the Australian Property Podcast.
2: If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify?
0: And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalised to your financial, tax or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in Russ Podcasts. Thanks again for listening.